0: Thank you for being here. Welcome our guests to River City Church. Hope you come back again. Come see us several times. Today we are continuing our journey on life behind the veil, living life behind the veil, because Jesus tore the veil so that we could be in heart-to-heart communion with him him and us, we and him, to the glory of the father. So we're going to go to Hebrews 3. And today we're going to be talking about faith, the gateway to your rest. Going to read a substantial amount of scripture. Hebrews 3 verses 1 through 19. Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. And we are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. So as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert where your fathers tested and tried me and for 40 years saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation and I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. <laughs> so I declared on oath, in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. Pivotal verse. As has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. All right, so this is what we're going to be studying together today. Verse six says, we are his house if we hold fast or on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. So we've titled this today, Faith, the Gateway to Rest. Every house is built by someone, isn't it? Every house is built by someone. And this portion of Scripture clearly, clearly instructs us that if we want our house to be built by God, we must hold on to our confidence, our courage, and the hope of Christ. We must hold on. We must be steadfast. We must hold fast. In a broad sense, okay, this scripture is normally taken in a a broad sense. In a broad sense, the hope of which we boast is salvation in Christ. We boast and hope in how great our salvation is, right? We're talking about eternal salvation. But in a practical sense, the hope is faith, In every promise of God. Because every promise of God is the word of God, and the word of God is Jesus. One and the same. So, faith, what are we hoping in? Our faith is that Jesus is his word. That he does what he says, that his word is absolutely true absolutely infallible, absolutely incorruptible, that he is at the right hand of the Father interceding for you, perpetually interceding for you. You are not alone. You are not on your own. He is your ever-present help. He is your ever-present help. We live... Today, on this earth, now, in Jesus' finished work. That's what living behind the veil is. You living, soaring, ascending, because you have the finished work of Jesus. Your goal in life is to understand that. Your goal in life is to walk in that. He died so that you could do that. Verse seven, verses 7 through 9 say, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert when your fathers tested and tried me and for 40 years saw what I did. They tested and tried God, even though they had seen what He had done for them. You see, they saw it, but they didn't believe it. They didn't believe it as a continuing process in their destiny. We have to believe the finished work of Christ as our destiny, it's the way He sees you walking. They saw his miraculous powers. They saw the, the splitting of the waters, didn't they? They walked and they, they saw that, but then they never really applied it to their futures. Verses 10 through 11 conclude, that is why I was angry with that generation, and I said their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. In other words, they did not own what had already been done for them. They did not own it. So I declared on, on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. So, in other words, God is saying here, they were witnesses, they were witnesses of my miraculous overcoming life. In the face of all odds, in the face of every difficulty, every difficult uh, Circumstance. And they chose not to truly believe and remember and apply. We believe by applying. The life, the life that I showed them to the life that they were leading. You see that? What does God give? life and that more abundantly, right? They they saw the demonstration of that, but they never brought it into their hearts to believe it for their destiny, for their future. You understand what I'm saying? They were given life, but they didn't apply it to their life, their future life. They were dull of understanding. They saw it, but they failed to truly know it. They saw it externally. These were, you know, things that happened. But they didn't allow it to become experiential in their lives. And there's one way to do that. It's just simply believing that God is who he says he is. Believing his word is true no matter what you see, no matter what you're going through. They didn't believe that what God showed them was also for their future. It was all prophetic of their future. Okay? Okay? So they were dull of understanding, they were dull of application, and they did not take, when I was reading this, the Lord said to me, I mean, when I was uh, studying for this, he said, they did not take what I did and apply it with faith to their circumstances. When they came to enter the promised land, they did not take all I had done for them and apply it as a promise to their future. They had faith for me. This is what the Lord was speaking to me while I was studying this out. They had faith for me to take them out of Egypt, but no faith for me to take them into their promise. If they had truly believed me, they would have stood on what I had shown them and the hope of my word. See that? You have the Holy Spirit. You live in the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. There is so much that the Holy Spirit has for you that people are not tapping into. We have to remain hungry, beloveds. We must remain hungry. We must believe God that everything in his word is for us to come to pass in our lives. We cannot, we can no longer camp out in this betwixt and between territory in our lives. It is time to enter in long time ago, long past time to enter in and believe all God has for you. He didn't finish the work to keep it away from you. He finished the work so that you could be like him here, so that you could walk like him here, so that you could experience his glory here. He has given, has given past tense us the same glory that God gave him. This is something we must believe. And you know what? When you step out, God will meet you there. He's not not afraid of of your shyness or thinking that when you step out, oh, maybe he's not going to meet me there. He'll meet you there. That's why he dispensed the Holy Spirit, okay? So we have got to stop camping out in this in-between. He finished the work to give you the glory, not so that you would wander about in a desert between the finished work and, and glory sometime in the future. Do you understand what I'm saying? If God can deliver us out of bondage, which he can and he does, he can take you into that promise. He, we, must, we must remain steadfast in the hope into which he calls us. Because when God delivers, he does not deliver into limbo. He delivers into his glory. He delivers you into his goodness, into his fullness, into his completeness. God's plan for everyone who left Egypt was to enter the land of milk and honey. His plan for every single one of them was to enter the land of promise. But many did not because they got to that moment of breakthrough. They got to the moment of breakthrough. They got to the moment of stepping over the threshold. They got to the moment of the promise of receiving their rest. The promises of God always bring rest, and they harden their hearts in unbelief. Now, what, what's an example of that, okay? That's, you can say, well, that's theoretical. Well, what's an example of that? An example of that is when in our, in our heads, we say, it's impossible. It's too hard. I can't really have everything that God... Re- I can settle for second best. Second best is good enough. Well, I'm sorry, that's not how God thinks. And it's really not how we should be thinking. You go for the all of God. You believe for the all of God. You believe for the best of God. All the goodness of God. It's saying uh, in our heads, perhaps, some people might say, the su- the, these circumstances just look too bleak. Okay? The dangers are too great. The risk is too high. Th- that sort of talk. All of that talk is idolatry. All of that talk is idolatry. Because it is putting a worldly circumstance that you might be facing above God and his ability. You understand that? Okay. So their unbelief was a failure to truly believe in all the goodness of God all the promise of God. That unbelief, that unbelief was a failure to continue in the hope. It was a failure to continue in the hope. We must continue in the hope to walk forth in all the fullness of Christ. That's why he said, continue, be confident in the hope until the end, until your destiny, until the destiny that God has for you, you see it in your life. And they failed then to act in accordance with what he had shown them, act in accordance with the word, okay? Verse 10, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. Their hearts went astray for not knowing God's ways and believing him. They saw them, but they didn't truly assimilate them. They did not take in a heart revelation of his greatness for them. He has greatness for you. That's why every time we think of something, anything, doesn't matter what it is, any time you think of something, That seems impossible with God You've made an idol You understand that? You've made an idol If you think it's too big for God It's an idol in your life That you need to get rid of You need to dethrone that idol He can't help me get a better job He can't help me heal my marriage He can't save my kids He can't deliver me from depression I'm not confessing these things I'm saying these are samples of what the devil likes to speak in your, into your minds. He can't deliver me from this depression or oppression. I'll never have enough. You know, I just want to puke. And you should too. When the devil tries to put those thoughts, the devil will never get my kid out of this situation. You're making your kid your idol instead of your God. Okay? God is more than enough. He is our El Shaddai. He will never fail you. He will never leave you. He is for you and not against you. He is all he says he is and all that he has ever shown. All that he's ever shown you and all that he's ever shown in this word. It's who he is. So, Caleb and Joshua they entered in right they entered into the promise they entered into the land of milk and honey why because they saw with their hearts what he had done and believed in faith that he would continue you must believe in faith that your god will continue his goodness for you. They believed that he would never change and that he would honor his word. Our God is faithful. He is trustworthy. He honors his word. They believed that he was a trustworthy God. They had complete faith in a faithful God regardless regardless of what they saw in the land, regardless of the giants that they saw, regardless of what resided there at that crossover point, right? Regardless of the giants, they saw the giants as grasshoppers, right? Scripture tells us. They saw the giants as grasshoppers in the hands of their faithful God. You see, the key there, too, is they weren't doing it within their own power, within their own works right? They saw with the eyes of God, they saw with the eyes of faith. See to it, brothers, verse 12. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Key word. I don't know if any of you remember the series we did on living God, but you serve a living God. His word is life. He is life. Jesus is life. He is the life of God in you. True life. Living. The living God. Transforming God. Holy Spirit. Living power in you. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness all right so the scripture right here very clearly says that a sinful heart is an unbelieving heart we're not talking about individual sins here individual we're not talking about little mistakes we're saying he's saying that a sinful heart is an unbelieving heart why is unbelief sin Why is unbelief sin? Sin is disobedience to God, right? Right? Anything that's a disobedience to God is sin. So unbelief is disobedience because why? It says, I don't trust God. That's what it's saying. It's saying, I cannot do it his way. I don't trust his way. That's what it is. That's what unbelief is. I don't trust his way. Unbelief is fear. It is fear that God will not or cannot do what he says. Believe me, brothers and sisters, he will and he can. And it is his heart's intent to do it in your life, to do all the word, every bit of the word, every miraculous part of this word, in your life. Fear is not of God. Faith is of God. All right. Fear. So let's look at fear. What is fear? Fear is us looking away from God and unto ourselves. That's really what fear is. Looking away from God unto ourselves and unto our own works. Basically, it's us looking Unto our own power And believe me You don't want to be there (laughs) He says in our weakness When we lay it down When we come to him in humility Right His strength Supersedes everything We are made strong Through him Don't ever be ashamed of your weakness Of a weakness that you think you have Believe me that's right where the, that's the place where God wants you to be, is to understand that you have a weakness and that he's greater. And that his heart is for you. To, to his power working through you. Fear, anxiety, it doesn't matter what it is. Unbelief, discouragement, oppression, depression, sadness. They only come, only. I'm going to make this categorically. They only come when we take our eyes off Jesus. It's the only time they can enter in. Any of that. And we put our eyes on ourselves. God created our spirit man. If we could only understand the greatness of the spirit that he has placed within you. How, 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 uh, limitless he made your spirit connected to him. God created our spirit man, our hearts, to have total undivided fellowship with him at all times. Heart to heart, completely interconnected, inseparable. That's how he created your spirit to be. That's his vision of you. And faith truly, whether Faith is the first natural, it is the first natural function of our hearts. He created you with a desire, with, a, with a, a force in your spirit that yearns out for him at all times. Otherwise, nobody would ever get saved. You have, he placed in you this great desire to truly know him. By faith and love, by faith and love, our hearts live in God. Get that, get that, beloved. Our hearts live in him. And he lives in us. Our spirits commune with him. You're connected, you're unified, you're in union, you are inseparable by love and faith. Nothing can divide you from him. Nothing can divide you from his love for you. Nothing, nothing on this earth can divide you from God's love for you. God made our born again spirits with so much capacity, with the capacity and the ability to receive all that God is, all that He has to give. Your born again spirit has that capacity to receive the all of God. This is what we hunger after. This is what we know we have. This is what we yearn for every moment of every day. Your born-again spirit is limitless, absolutely limitless, with eyes to see and ears to hear the all of God the everything that he has to give. You know, his heart is to pour so much onto you, into you, through you, to others. And if we just believe for that, you can walk in that full capacity. He's created you to do that. To know and to receive the all of God. To endlessly be in total union, communication with him. Inseparable. Sin, it turned the human heart from the unseen to the seen. That's what Jesus came to redeem us out of. You see that? Sin turned the human heart away from the unseen the all of god to the seen the earth the world what's right like here in front of us right that's that is what happened in the garden and jesus is the redemption out of that he ended that curse <laughs> He ended that curse so that you could walk out free. You see that? Sin made us look at the seen instead of the unseen. Sin dislodges, dislodges faith from the place that it's meant to have in our hearts. Right? That's what sin does. And it, then what happens, and I'm not saying you all, I'm just saying this is what sin does, that it becomes, then that when it's dislodged, it becomes faith in the world instead of faith in our God. Faith in the world and its processes and its answers, rather than his. You see? Sin transfers, and here I'm going to use the word unbelief, okay? Because that's what we're really talking about here. It transfers our faith. It transfers our our sight from faith and seeing God to faith in the world. And the world is finite. It will always disappoint you. At some point, you will always run into disappointment in the world. You will never run into disappointment by hanging on to the promises of God. Never. 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 By believing in the capacity of God, the fullness of God, the love of God, the the magnanimous, so big (laughs) nature of God. With the heart, the man believes unto righteousness, Romans 10.10, okay? With our heart, we believe unto him. The heart of God in us, okay? It's what you have if you're a believer. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the heart of God in you ushers you into his way of thinking and doing, into his holiness, into his glory, into his fullness. It can be no other way. It can be no other way. It can be no other way because the heart of God is faith. The heart of God is faith. Verse 13 tells us, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Okay, important word here. It says today. Today. While it is now, while there is time, in the midst of every difficulty, in the midst of every joy. Every difficulty, every joy, today. Encourage one another Encourage one another. The church is one body. And whether we think about it or not, what hurts your brother or sister hurts you. We are one body. What hurts your brother or sister hurts you. What encourages your brother or sister encourages you. When healing comes to a brother or sister, healing comes to you. Do you get that? So critical that we understand this. So very critical. We must be here for one another. We must contact one another's hearts. I don't want to say the word I'm tired, That's that's a yucky confession but I've really had enough of living on the surface with one another. Jesus came to contact you, and he wants you to contact one another. Right? He wants you to be here through their hurts, through one another's hurts. He wants you to be here through one another's joy. Right? So that we may each, everyone, each and every one, encourage each other so that all of us can remain steadfast. When you lift up your brother, when you encourage your brother or your sister, it allows all the body to be more steadfast. So we all can remain steadfast and we all can persevere in the hope in the faith, so that we can all be courageous and walk into the destiny. It should be your joy, not your competition, to see another person functioning in the destiny of God in their lives. We are not here to compete. We are here to join and to lift up. When you see someone else blessed in God, rejoice. Rejoice with those who rejoice, okay? So we have to build one another. We have to look at the hurt, and we have to speak love to the hurt, not judgment, please. Love never fails. The love of God never fails. We speak love to the hurt, and when, when there's a joy in their life, we rejoice in that joy with them. We must be so loving. And you know what? This is not not something of your own works. This is because you are allowing the fullness of your Lord, uh, allowing the fullness of your Father that he designed for you to walk in. That's all you're doing. You're just allowing it to come in and flow out. Rivers of living water come in and flow out. That's all it is. And so it's not your works. It's you being yielded, and the Holy Spirit's talking to us all the time. It's us being yielded to the Holy Spirit, who is the testimony of Jesus in our lives. And he will bring forth that testimony in your life and in the lives of others. So it is the Holy Spirit working through you, testifying of Jesus. Jesus came here to give you everything to walk exactly like he walks. To show you everything he knew. There are no closed books. No closed doors. You are walking in an open heaven. A poured out dispensation of Holy Spirit Jesus We must succor the reality of this. If each and every one of us truly got revelation of this, there would be so much glory, so much light, so much love, so much power of the Lord flowing. You walk in a room and the demons just can't stay. because of the love of the Lord poured out. So we have to be so loving, so yielded, so kind, and walk in so much compassion and so much mercy of Jesus, not of your own doing, of Jesus, that when someone is struggling in an area, they feel protected by you and not judged. This is a place of protection. You see that? You understand that? So that they can be transparent and they know that when they reach out to others in the body, they will get help. They will be loved through the situation. We must be so loving, so compassionate, so merciful that others feel safe enough in our flock Safe enough in our flock to know that they can be open and honest and receive help in the midst of a struggle. Every one of us goes through struggle. The devil loves to make us islands unto ourselves. God does not mean for us to be islands struggling within our own personal borders and our own personal weaknesses. There is a place where you can be safe, and it is in the arms of Jesus. And that's what the body should be. That's what the body is. That's what his beautiful bride is. Jesus came to set the captives free. Outside of the borders, outside of the the boundaries of sin, and shame, and guilt, and regret, and pain. And the scripture clearly tells us, clearly tells us, that we have the responsibility to one another to encourage one another, to lift one another up, so that we do not struggle on our own. Therefore, because when we are struggling on our own, that's when our hearts become hardened. Right? And we don't want that for our brothers and sisters, do we? No. Jesus, what what does Jesus do? He goes after the stray lamb. He goes after. He goes after. He doesn't just sit by and, okay, and I'm not saying we need to pray. We need to pray for people. But our prayers should, should walk. When we see someone struggling, our prayers should walk. Our prayers should touch. It's not enough to just. It is enough to pray. I'm not saying that prayers are not powerful. I'm not saying that. But He gave us arms and legs for a reason. To encounter people, in His love. We become a body of unwavering faith, a body of unwavering faith when we lift one another up, encouraging one another in the love of the Lord, in the promise of God's word. Not when we compete and judge. When you compete and judge someone, you're hurting yourself as well as them. Verse 14 we have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. Okay, another version here says we become partakers of Christ. Say, I am a partaker of Christ. I mean it. I mean, I mean you mean it. I mean, you really mean it. I am a partaker of Christ. If we hold fast, the beginning of our confidence until the end. Okay, so let's talk about what a partaker and what a sharer is, what they are. Jesus makes us. This is powerful, beloved. Jesus makes you partakers of himself, his very image, his allness. He makes you a partaker of him. This is not something just to let go in one ear and out the other. This is not light. This is so critical. He forms in you his likeness as we yield to him. Just as Christ, okay listen, I'm going to go through a little series of steps and I want you to really listen to every single one of them because there was a reason for the incarnation and there was a glory because of the incarnation and the ascension. So just like Jesus, okay, we've been studying this. Just as Jesus became A partaker of flesh and blood. Your very nature. Your nature. Human. In human form. In human flesh. Just as he became a partaker of our nature. We. Because of what he has done. Become partakers of him. Okay. Christ entered, listen, Christ entered into perfect fellowship with man. With, all, with, with us in all we are. Our life and our death became his. He did that for us. He came out of glory, he came here, became partakers with us, and our life and our death became his. And when we receive Jesus, we become partakers in him. Just as he became a partaker in us. That's why he had to come. God's plan was that he had to come and do it that way so that he could know us intimately and have intimate and limitless compassion for us. He is the great high priest that has compassion for you because he became a partaker with you. So we then enter, believe this, believe this, believe this, receive this into your spirits. We become, we enter into perfect fellowship with him and all he is, because his death and his life become ours. What a substitution. What joy unspeakable we've been given. What fullness of glory we've been given. Hallelujah. The scripture, this scripture, reminds us that we are partakers with Christ. He is our portion, He is our possession in our hearts. Our salvation assures us that we are one with him and he is one with us. We are one life in him, in his life, in his life, in his life. Like I can barely contain myself right now. We are indivisibly in him powerfully, indivisibly in him, united in his life and his love. And we get to walk on this planet and be that to people. (coughs) So let us see ourselves the way God sees us the way he created us to be, the way he created us to walk as truly partakers in Christ. I'm like having such a hard time like just not like jumping around up here. I can barely stand still. I can barely talk quietly. (sighs) If we could just get the reality, the truth, that this is how, this is the realm in which he created us to walk and to function. When we hold this, the true partaking of Christ in our inner persons, when we truly, truly Hold this as our confidence. I am confident in this. When we hold this as our confidence, we understand truly. That then it is Him working in us, not of our own works, not of our own works, not of our own doing. Just as Christ said that everything that He did, the Father was doing through him. That is what we become, not our own works, not our own power. Not our own logic or mental capacities. It is the Holy Spirit working in you and through you, partakers in Christ. Him doing the work through you. You cannot do it of your own accord. You cannot. It is not your works, it's not of yourselves. You cannot do it in your own flesh. It is by the love of God shed abroad in your heart, his spirit testifying with your spirit, the Holy Spirit testifying of Jesus that makes you a true witness, and get what this word means. Witness is not just seeing something like happen, Witness is becoming that to another. It is becoming the entirety of that to another. So when he said that we would be his witnesses in all the earth, what do you think that really meant? It meant that all the power, all the glory, all the love would function right through you. How do you think aprons and all those things and and walking by healed people, no less is it meant for you to do the same. No less. Greater works, but they're not works in you. They're Jesus flowing through. We are meant to walk this way in full demonstration Witness means to be the demonstration. Verse 15, as has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose body fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. This is not going to be us. This is not us. I say again, this is not us. You are those who enter. You are those who enter. You are those who take the land wherever your foot trods because you will not be in unbelief but in faith. We who remain in faith We who remain hungry, remain hungry, remain hungry for the all of God. It is not enough to go to church and sit in a chair and say that was a good message. You must be the demonstration. You must be the witness. We who remain in faith who believe God, who understand his total redemption for every situation. He redeemed us out of separation. Who trust him in spite of the circumstances. Who count him faithful. Who count him trustworthy. We enter rest. You can rest in the faithfulness of God. We enter his rest when we count him trustworthy. When we believe his word. When we believe Jesus. It's really simple. Just believe one thing. Jesus. We will continue in the faith. And not only do we have the faith to leave Egypt? See there? Not only do we have the faith to leave Egypt, but we have the faith to enter Canaan. We have the faith to enter the promised land. We will not give up prior prior to possession. This should light a fire in your souls. We will not be murmurers. We will not be satisfied with a life of wandering, of hitting and missing. No. We will say with Caleb, we are well able to possess the land. It has been given to me as a finished work by my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We will be yielding to the heart of God. We will be obedient to his call. We will be obedient to his word. We will have faith in his faithfulness to us, believing in his Glorious destiny for each and every one of us. We will lay down the world and its way of doing things for the victory that has been given. For the victory that is our promise. We will follow Jesus in his death you get that? Remember we went through that? And then we enter into the fullness, the fullness of his life, the fullness of his glory, the fullness of all that he is and all that he died to give you. When he ascended, he tore that veil and you received the finished work. And we enter then... The joy of a life of rest in Jesus' mighty name. So, hallelujah, that's what the Lord wanted me to share with you today. (laughs) So, we are going to